You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of batteries, whether it's for your truck, your car, your trail cameras, your rangefinder, stop into a local Interstate Batteries retail location. There are thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Talk with a battery specialist and get the batteries that you need to go on with your life. Interstate Batteries outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Thomas. With me today, my co-host, Micah. What's going on? Nothing, dude. Exciting uh, one today. I'm excited about it. It was, it was a good one. Uh, today we got my buddy, Stacy Smith, with Pure Luck Taxidermy on to talk about all things taxidermy. Uh, basically, kind of from field to finished, uh, what the, a hunter can expect with taxidermy. Yep, we cover all the bases, so if you have any questions about taxidermy and stuff this one should answer those for no the doubt. most part yeah you know and i'm really hoping to actually uh you know be calling stacy for taxidermy soon <laughs> well that's always <laughs> the plan anyways yeah i think i've been talking to him lately about uh our fifth wheels more than i have taxidermy and that makes me sad because <laughs> not that i don't like talking about other stuff but uh um you know, we're sitting in his shop today recording this and so i see all these awesome deer sitting here and Makes me, uh, gives me the itch to get yep. something done. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and we've got buddies out there. I mean, um, we've got an episode coming up that I won't spoil it, but uh, it, it's going to change a little bit because he got something done. And he's, yeah. he, he put one on the ground last night. And yeah, got, we, I mean, we were talking about it before I asked if he wanted to come on. He's like, yeah, I can do it that day, but it's going to change if I, because I'll probably hunt. Yeah. I was like, that's fine. Well, he sent me the video the next morning, and he, <laughs> he got it done. So it's going to be a completely different episode now. Yeah, so. and I've, we've got other buddies that have been putting them on the ground. Um, yeah, one of our buddies over at Midwest Wildlife took one down. Heck of a deer. Yeah. Huge and, mass uh, on it. And uh, so congrats to Ryan on that one. Yeah. Um, just lots of guys that are getting them, and I'm sitting here like, do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. <laughs> I go out today, and I didn't see nothing. Yeah. I'm hoping to go uh, can't tomorrow, unfortunately. But Oh, wait. Tomorrow, Monday? Yeah, today is Sunday, so yeah. I can. I'm going to go tomorrow afternoon, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, if the wind takes care of me, but it's been so, bad. 
been windy, really windy. Yeah. So so we're excited about this episode. Um, we've had this on the docket for a while and uh, finally able to make it to hap- happen with Stacy. Um, did have another podcast I'd like to plug uh, that I listened to uh, about taxidermy uh, the other day, and it's our buddies over at the 573 Podcast, another mm-hmm. Missouri-based uh, set of guys. They have a, a taxidermy episode that just came out last week. Um, so if anybody's wanting to listen to some taxidermy episodes this time of year, you should check them out. I think, uh, can't remember for sure, but I think they're on Podbean, okay. Podbean right now. Um, but if, if you're on Instagram or something, just go check them out at, at the 573 and, um, you can listen to theirs too. Right. Uh, more the merrier. Um, love to support Missouri guys any chance we get. So if you don't have anything else, we'll, let's we'll get, start this one. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. All right, excited about this episode today. Here with Micah again. What's going on, guys? What's up, dude? Um, people have probably noticed by now that Andy hasn't been on the last few episodes. It is harvest season, and so he is good reason for that. <laughs> he's working his full time job and also uh, farming right now, so the guy doesn't have two seconds to uh, even. Yeah, he's probably putting in about twenty hours a twenty hours a day, <laughs> I'd guess. Yeah, so probably. you guys are hear him again at some point, but. Uh, for the future, he he's not going to be on for uh, at least a few episodes. So, anyways, today's episode, real excited about. Got a buddy of mine, uh, Stacy Smith, with Pure Luck Taxidermy out of Odessa, Missouri, is going to come on today and talk about, um, you know, sort of like the do's and the don'ts and just the the basics of taxidermy and what what you need to be thinking about while you're out there right now. Yeah, unless yeah. you've already killed one, then yeah. you got to think about it again. But um, some things to think about, some crazy stories Stacy's had happen and all that stuff. So, Stacy, what's up, man? Not much. How you guys doing? Good. Good, good. We're actually sitting in your shop right now looking at some deer. and uh, it, it gets me really excited. I mean, I, I went hunting this morning, and I didn't. I about flew out of the tree with as windy as it was. <laughs> but coming in here kind of boosts the morale a little bit, I guess it is. Yeah, well, or it makes you jealous well no it, it, it just gets me excited <laughs> all we're doing is out cutting. there a little more <laughs> all we're doing is cutting into stacy's time right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh so stacy before we get started introduce yourself uh i told everybody where you're from but you can talk about your taxidermy shop um and then i always ask guests um what's your favorite thing about the missouri outdoors gotcha yep uh stacy smith uh we're just south of odessa uh, got into taxidermy probably, I think it was about 17 years ago. Basically, it was due to necessity. I was a poor college kid, <laughs> uh, or that's what started it. I didn't start till 17 years ago. Um, went to a little class for four or five days, I think. Uh, kind of got you just enough knowledge to be dangerous. Uh, and then you start experimenting on your own stuff, and then it just kind of went from there. Uh, did it. Oh, I said because of necessity and wasn't happy with the work I was paying for because mm-hmm. uh, I was poor and it was cheap work and it was definitely cheap work. Um, but no, we've uh, been here for, like I said, about 17 years. Uh, whitetails mostly, a lot of life-size mammals, bobcats, foxes, coyotes. Uh, but no, we uh, really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of great people. Yeah. Well, and you also are a hunter. I mean, you don't get to do a lot of it. Not anymore. <laughs> because you're always here dealing with other people's uh, trophies, trophies, which would be the downside, I think, to taxidermy is, you know, during hunting season, you get busy. 
and then you're here working all the time and not getting to go out. But you do get to go out um, and hunt some and um, definitely enjoy the outdoors. And is that, I mean, is that probably something that one of your favorite things about the Missouri outdoors is just the different things that you've probably seen in this career? Oh, I mean, uh, between hunting and this, yeah, definitely. I mean, everything from customers bringing in an albino raccoon, uh, just oddball, you know, three main beam bucks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just never know what kind of phone calls you get. Some of them are a little crazy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, between the, the – yeah, just the Missouri outdoors, between you never know what you're going to see, uh, seeing does stand up on their hind feet and fight, I mean – between the business and being in the outdoors, it's just unbelievable. Uh, like I said, you just don't know what you're going to see, and it's always exciting. You don't know what's going to pop out next. You don't get that stuff sitting on the couch. Exactly. Right. Well, I think this is a perfect time of the year. I mean, it would have been nice to start do this episode a while ago, but um, to talk about sort of the do's and the don'ts of taxidermy. And I thought, who better to talk to it about? Than a taxidermist, yeah, <laughs> who is a friend of mine, so it, it kind of works out well. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we'll kind of get into everything about what should the hunter do when they're out in the field. What should the hunter do when they are dealing with you? Um. But a lot of those, qu- and especially after they've gotten their mount back, what what can they do to make sure it continues to be a, a work of art for the next eighty years or whatever? Um. But those things shouldn't be things that come up after the shot, right? No, yeah. People should have stuff in their minds. Yeah, you should be planning ahead. Uh, for instance, if you're, say, you're hunting public ground or you're hunting extremely remote private ground where there's no vehicle access or it's a two-wheel cart kind of thing, uh, be sure you have a sled or a two-wheel cart or something. Uh, if you harvest a buck, you start dragging it out of the woods, Nine times out of ten, you're either going to ruin the cape or you're going to have an ugly cape because it will literally rub the hair right off the shoulder, off that right. front point of that shoulder, and you're going to have a huge bald spot. And um, you're not magic maker. You can't grow hair back. No. You can't, you know, put hair back. We, we can't make the deer any bigger than it was when we got it. We can't make hair grow back. Uh, we can sew up some holes and patch some stuff up, but, you know, take your time, be careful, and if there's ever a question, always call. Uh, Google is your friend. Um, I have diagrams. People call me, hey, how do I cape my deer? I will text them seven, eight different diagrams. I've sent them videos. I mean, most of the time it works. Sometimes it still doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the more knowledge you go in with, the better product you're going to get at the end. Yeah. Because your deer is perfect the way it was when you shot it. You can only harm it from there. And I can only make it look as good as it was when I receive it. Right. That's a perfect point. And I got lucky. I'm the first buck I ever shot. Stacy's a friend of mine. So I called him. I'm like, hey, I'm going to cape it. I think I'm going to mount it. And you're like, well, bring it over. I'll show you how. And <laughs> hung it up right there in that hoist. And he showed me how to, to cape a deer. I still probably would do a bad job. But, you know, <laughs> seeing it is, is really nice. But uh, that's a good point. I mean, especially if you're, if you're deep in um, public or even on your private if you don't have a sled, knowing how to cape it, if you're going to quarter the deer out and pack it out, right? knowing how to cape it um, is important. Definitely. Knowing how to cape it, and like I said, and if you do have to drag it out from a long ways, you know, something happens, your plan fell through, 
somehow keeping that shoulder from dragging the ground makes all the difference in the world, whether you tie a coat around its neck so it's underneath that shoulder. Um, like I said, a cart or a sled or a, a drag thing. A tarp, something. Tarp, just anything. Some, just something, something there to keep that ground from just literally tearing that hair right off the front edge of that shoulder. I mean, that yeah. makes a lot of sense, you know. And you make a good point. That deer was perfect when you shot it. You can only do damage from there on out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's going to be a shoulder mount or, or even if it's going to be a euro or whatever they're going to do. But um, that's that's kind of a perfect point is um, it can only get worse from there. Right. <laughs> right. And that's, you know, when you're field dressing it, you know, stop at the brisket. Stop when you hit that breastplate. You go through the ribs. You feel that solid breastplate. Mm-hmm. Just stop right there. You can reach up in there, uh, clean it out just as well. Um, and then, like I said, diagrams are your friend. Uh, YouTube probably YouTube yeah. yeah I mean yeah and you know you're out in the woods even if you're remote you're nine times out of ten in the state of Missouri you're gonna have phone signal call your taxidermist call me call your buddy call someone that knows what they're doing or that you verified know what they're doing right and you know ask them for help or hey what do I do here uh, you know always you know like the old saying goes uh, measure twice cut once you don't want to cut and then oh wait a minute was that right yeah yeah well the most important work i mean you do an important job but like you just said a couple minutes ago you can only work with what you were given so it's only i mean if you really think about it the hunter is the the first step in this process of taxidermy and probably the most important because you know Everyone makes mistakes, but when something comes to me in good condition, it's going to leave in that same condition. Uh, you know, it goes to, you know, I used a couple different tanneries. They are both top of the line, top notch, uh, zero issues with hundreds and hundreds of whitetail capes. Uh, so, in my opinion, the hunter is the most important step. Uh, not only, like I said, field dressing, not dragging it out, uh, but just getting it to the taxidermist. Like I tell people, they'll say, you know, hey, I got a deer I need to bring to you. Oh, yeah, you get it recently? Oh, yeah, I, I got it first weekend. Well, first week and make it. I'll find out that, you know, it was during youth season. Right. And here it is the second weekend of rifle season. They'll be like, you know, that uh, that deer's been in my shop and it's been, you know, 35 degrees. So it's, <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't smell at all. Uh, the way I tell people is treat that deer if you cape it off and you have that deer head and that raw hide sitting there if you can't freeze it treat it like you would a piece of steak if if it sits out long longer than you would let a steak sit out then i don't want it because it's probably going to be junk can i get you a spare cape yes i have those but treat that cape and that head like you would something you're going to eat because once it starts to spoil the hair will start to slip i mean issues i mean it just goes downhill in a hurry yeah if you treat it like a piece of meat you wouldn't leave a steak set out for 24 hours right i mean even if it was 25 degrees outside you know if you if you don't have plans on getting it straight to a taxidermist which i mean you know i've had it before where i'm trying to think of my last one i had you do i think i had them at home for a few days i usually get them right to you right uh, as soon as i can but uh i caped it and we'll talk about rolling it and stuff, too, how you like to see that done. But caped it, and it was in the freezer until I could get with you a couple of days later. Right. And that, that probably goes a long way, obviously, because, yeah, if they 
have it riding around in their truck for three weeks showing people. It's just sitting back there, bacteria starts growing. and Yeah, once uh, – I mean, immediately when an animal dies, bacteria starts growing on the skin immediately, period. Uh, predators are the worst by far. Uh, whitetails aren't as bad, but it does start happening. So the longer you keep that, you know, in a fresh state where it's not thawed mm-hmm. or it hasn't been processed and salted dry – then you are running the risk of that bacteria literally will eat the hair off at the base, and then you have these big bald spots. Um, you know, you take it to your taxidermist. Your taxidermist can do what he needs to do, cut the skull plate off. If you want to show it to your buddies, go back a day or two later. You can go around, brag to your buddies, show it to them then. But there's no need to have the whole head or the whole deer in the back of your truck for three or four days letting that cape spoil on you, and then you're going to have to get a replacement. So, right. uh, So ideally – the quicker you can get it off the body and into a freezer, the better. Yeah, the quicker you can get it off and get it cooled down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say, like, if you're maybe out west hunting something big like an elk, you want to make sure that hide is cooled down. Because I have had outfitters, early season elk, <clears throat> they skin them off, and they fold them up and roll them up, and I get them two weeks later, and the inside's never frozen. It's still, wow. by the, when it thaws out, the inside was never frozen. You can tell, and it's turned green. Oh, no, wow. because it's so insulated. the hair is so insulated that it can't penetrate all the way through there, oh, or wow. it takes such a long time that it spoils. Where you know, if they would have just laid it out in the, in the shade or in a walk-in cooler, even which walk-in coolers can be the devil because it's like a big refrigerator and bacteria still grows. Yeah, but at least cool it down to where it's. 30 degrees not 70 degrees and then roll it up and then freeze it gotcha is there so is there a certain way that people should roll a cape i mean i've always seen the cape rolled where the head is sitting on you know the way i've done it and then i've had it done a few times when i was in a hurry where the the head's sitting right on top of the cape and they've rolled it basically from the bottom and and the hair is always facing out uh yeah always keep the hair facing out and roll it up uh it's not that vital how you roll it up. The main thing is you double bag it or triple bag it. Get as much air out as you can. Now, this is if you're leaving the head and the antlers attached to the mm-hmm. hide. Um, then you want to get all the air out, and then you still need to get to a taxidermist within a couple months, even if it's in the freezer, because the, you know, the modern-day frost-free freezers pull moisture out. So if you have just a deer head, you stick it in a box, put it in your freezer, or you have a, it in a bag with the bag open, it's going to start pulling moisture out, and those ears will turn into bricks. I mean, it'll pull all the moisture out of your ears and out of your eyelids and your nose and lips, <laughs> and the ears will literally start curling because hmm. it pulls all that moisture out. Uh, but if you have a whole head with a cape in a freezer, you know, double bag it, triple bag it. Um, now, if you are the type of person who knows how to skin one off the head, put the nose, ears, lips on the inside, roll it up towards the brisket, double bag it, get all the air out, and you have a much, much longer shelf life. I was just going to ask if someone, let's say, shot one tomorrow, and they knew they didn't have the money, we'll get into this stuff later, but they knew they didn't have the money to bring it into you for six months, so they knew they were going to at least have it in the freezer for six months. You would go about it a little differently then at that point? If it's going to be six months, I would say, you know, talk to me, talk to your tax number, say, hey, you know, what would you charge me just to cape it off the head and bag it? Then, you know, a person could bring it to me for a nominal fee. I do that. And then if they bring it back to me for the shoulder mount, obviously 
that would come off of the shoulder mount because that is part of my work process. Gotcha. But at least then you know it's, it's done. Keep. done it's and done. it's done right. Right. Yeah. And I would not recommend this to anyone just because I got lucky, but I've literally had some of my own that I, of course, don't have time to do my own work. <laughs> but I've had <laughs> yeah, some of my that own. That one over there, isn't that one like from a decade ago you shot? Uh, yeah, I actually <laughs> still have my deer from 2010, 2000. Eight and last year I just did 2015s a couple of weeks ago, but uh, but no, if you bag them right, if you have it skinned off completely off the skull, you bag it right, get all the moisture or get all the moisture, get all the air out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, six seven years. But I got lucky. Um, it doesn't work that way every time, so I mean I would by no means recommend that. But that just kind of tells you. If you do it correctly, it can stay. It has a longer shelf life where if you have the whole head with the antlers, it's hard to get all that. Well, you can't get all the air out because you have the antlers and the head in the way. Mm-hmm. And it's going to freeze or burn much, much quicker that way. Gotcha. Makes sense. So that would be for somebody that's maybe knows they're going to get in and into you faster. Hey, if they yeah. got if it's got to sit in the freezer for a month, whatever. But, right. you know, if, if I'm sitting there going, hey, I, you know, maybe I killed two this year. My wife's like, you are not doing two. So maybe one's <laughs> got to sit, you know, <laughs> for a while. Right, Luckily, yeah. I would be able to just say, hey, uh, can we do this? And I'll just I'll don't tell it. my wife. I'll slip it the cash underneath the table. <laughs> How did that second deer come home? Uh, oh, he was it was always there, babe. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> I could probably get by with that. She might not know. <laughs> yeah, I won't say anything. Yeah, uh, that's funny. But uh, I think that's a good point because there's, you know, there's people out there that think about that stuff before they call. Right. And um, some probably don't. Sure. I mean, some probably, you know, think you should store the the hide for them while they're waiting, and you know, it sits here for three years, uh, that sort of stuff. I I think I listened to a show one other time where, wish I could give him credit. It was another show about taxidermy where he said, "I am not a storage facility, mm-hmm. I'm a taxidermist." <laughs> yep, and that's, you know, like before we started here, I was showing you some of the antlers over there that you know, kids' first deer. I've had the antlers, the hide. He brought it in, dropped it off with no deposit. I've had it for, I believe, five years now. You know, no deposit, still here, storing it. The hide's still in the freezer. Like I said, it's kid's first deer. I'm not going to get rid of the hide just in case he comes down the road. You know, I don't want me to be the The bad guy, guy, you know, that threw the kid's hide away or used it for someone else. Well, and this is a perfect segue into the next kind of topic or the next portion of this is, you know, when they've gotten the deer, they've got it out of the woods, they've caped it or whatever they're they're planning on doing, and now they're finally to the, the spot where, hey, I'm, I'm bringing it to Pure Luck Taxidermy or whoever else, what are some things they should expect to when they're at the taxidermist, um, you know, ready to, especially when, when choosing a taxidermist, right? Right. I'm, I'm lucky enough that I know other hunters that, um, could have told me what taxidermist to use. And I also was lucky enough that I had a friend that happens to be a pretty well-respected taxidermist. So I didn't have to really find a taxidermist. Didn't have to hunt around for one. Right. But there's other people out there that don't know anybody. What are some, I mean, what are some things that you might recommend somebody do when they're even just trying to look for a taxidermist? There's a lot of guys out there, I'm sure, that are just trying to learn or just get into it. It might do subpar work or might not, but... Um, what would you kind of say um, some things they should look for right up front? And then we'll get into when they get to you. Um, yes. 
whenever you're looking, uh, start online if possible. You know, look at their work. Uh, talk to your friends. If your friends have have it, swing by their house. Look at the work that, you know, the tax numbers has done for them. And then, you know, definitely look at what is in that tax number shop. I mean, things change. I've seen life situations change where a person does excellent work. They fall on hard times for whatever reason, and the quality goes down. Um, there is a tax difference out there for everybody in every price range from it's not going to look real great to it's going to look awesome, just phenomenal, and uh, everywhere in between. Uh, turnaround. Uh, there are some tax terms out there that have, you know, a year and a half, two-year turnaround. Uh, some of them are on the low price scale. Some of them are on the high price scale. Uh, but the main thing I would say, you know, look at their work. Look at the, you know, get up close. Look at the eyes. Look at the ears. I mean, if the ears are an inch thick, there's a problem. Um, if the eyelashes, like I showed you the amount I was messing with, mm-hmm. someone else had done, the eyelashes are going up at a 45-degree angle. Deer's eyelashes don't look like that. This thing looks like it's a little fairy <laughs> getting ready to fly away. Uh, you know, just little things. You need to educate yourself. You know, eyelashes need to kind of be at a downward angle. Uh, your ears should be thin with straight edges and crisp. Uh, the eyes should look like a deer eye and not look like somebody, you know, put a pound of Bondo in there around them to fill it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, lip lines. Uh, nasal passage. It should have a nasal passage. You should be able to look in. Right. And it look like you're looking at a nose. Uh, you know, the forms come, you have to carve them out because right. it's okay. foam in there. It's so just you, a solid. It's solid. I mean, you have the nasal opening, the nose opening for the in the wings of the nose, but it stops right there. I mean, you have to carve that out and put a septum in the center there and airbrush it. And, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, people say, I can tell the difference, but I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, I've. Well, that's one thing I've always kind of noticed. If I see a mount that I don't like, it's almost always because it looks like the deer's smiling at me. It's it's that's what I notice first is that why is the damn thing smiling? Or you know, it looks like it's you know trying to smile, but it's like a kid that doesn't know how to smile right. in pictures <laughs> or whatever. And that's right. that's something I've always noticed. And then I've always noticed noses. You know, I, I like yeah. If the, you get the nose wrong, I mean, it's definitely you can definitely tell. Right. Yeah. I mean, if the nose looks like it's a blackberry. Or a blueberry it's just all these huge bumps and then it's just a flat black maybe mm-hmm. a little gloss on it uh i mean look i mean google images i mean i use them in the shop i have you know as you guys can see i have yep. pictures of deer and deer noses and eyes everywhere and uh that's to help me get it where i think it should be um but if it looks to wrong to the customer i mean although you know sometimes customers are incorrect <laughs> i've never had an incorrect customer though but yeah, that's uh good. <laughs> you know sometimes you know if if you don't if you think it looks odd if you think something's off then it's off uh because i have seen a lot of lower quality taxidermy where people couldn't tell the difference until you put it next to a nicer piece yeah if you can walk up to a piece by itself and you're like man something's wrong with that I guarantee that there's probably something major wrong. You just, you know, never noticed exactly right. what it was. You're not, I mean, it's hard to spot exactly right. what you're, especially what if, it, like. if it's your first one. And you, I mean, I get, I have deer mounts. He has deer mounts. I look at that thing every day. I know what it's supposed to look like. Right. But if I go into somebody's house 
are if it's their first one, they they're not going to pick out those little details and those little things that are off and stuff like that. So yeah, right, educate yourself on what needs to be done right. So and that's yeah, always in person. You know, like I said, look online, look at your friends' mounts, see, but there's no you know no substitute for going into the taxidermist and looking in person. Yeah, right. yeah. I was I thought it was a good point to bring up just because there's not everybody has a taxidermist picked out yet and somebody might be killing their first deer this year and there's there's even if it's a good taxidermist it might not be the right fit for you right maybe right. you and him or her don't get along or something or they don't like doing full sneaks with the ears out and the customer wants that and that's exactly what they want and the taxidermist might say nope i'm not doing that um doesn't look right or something like that right um, I'm sure you pretty much will give somebody what they want, but there's certain mounts that you're like, that doesn't look normal. Their yeah. uh, personal opinion, I don't like straight, uh, but I'm not the one that's going to look at it every day. Right. Uh, that mount behind me I just did is straight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally not a fan, but hey, again, I'm I'm going to do it to the best of my ability to make it look great, but I'm not going to be the one looking at it every day. Get mm-hmm. up, go to bed, right. I see this deer. If you want a straight, you get a straight. But, uh, yeah, and it is kind of, sometimes it is funny. You'll have a customer call you or a potential customer. Okay. You know, you know, what do I need to do? How much does it cost? How much is the deposit? And we go through it and they're like, okay, well, as soon as I get him, I'll bring him in. (laughs) And you're like, wait, you haven't even got a deer yet. You know, I'm all about being optimistic, but it's kind of, kind of humorous. But at the same time, they're prepared. You'd rather be somebody prepared than than going, oh no. Then the guy who has it in the back of his truck and it's been there for three days and it's like, wow, wait a minute, I got, I was going to get this mounted. Now it's starting to smell funny. Where am I going to take it? You know, but uh, but yeah, it is definitely do your homework because there, the price range is huge between the low end and the high end. The quality range is huge, and the turnaround time, and you just have to figure out what level of quality you want what price you're willing to pay and what turnaround you're willing to live with mm-hmm. and go from there. Yeah. And I would guess this is just me. Uh, some dude that's not prepared that might be driving around with a deer in the back of his truck that now all that has sudden has maggots all over the place. <laughs> you don't want that shit in your shop. No, if it smells, it doesn't come in. Well, right. and, and I'm just like thinking out loud, if there's maggots all over and now you have that in your shop, and you're working with a knife and slice yourself or something. I mean, doesn't that put a uh, – there's a danger factor now with bacteria being all over this, the right. place. And, you know, I, I would guess that there's a lot of taxidermists and um, out there that turn around and take it somewhere else because I don't want that at that point. You know, you yeah. you could screw yourself out of a cool mount just by not being prepared. Yeah, that's uh, – and, I mean, as you look around here, it is a mess, <laughs> but it's clean. There's no, there's not blood. There's not stink. Doesn't it, smell it, in here. It's, yep. you know, it, it's a mess because, well, that's how I work. But it's not nasty. It's not gross. Um, I've had people, yeah, bring a European, I want a European mount. They bring it to the shop. And I'm like, whoa, leave it outside. I mean, it just, no. I'll, I will give you tips or hints to work it yourself before I will let it in. Because I can't have something rotten in here with customers coming in. Right. With finished mounts in here that are going to absorb that odor um and i've told people many times they'll be oh it doesn't smell it doesn't smell I'm like, well if you show up with it and it does smell 
I'm going to have to make you take it back. So I don't want you to waste a trip. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but yeah, I don't want – and that's not even mentioning the fact I don't want to smell it. Right. I mean, right. not to mention the – I mean, it's bad for bacteria. Well, you think about yeah. it. <laughs> it is. The, dude's, the thing's got freaking maggots in the back of your truck, so you, got, your wife probably or somebody's probably finally bitching at you to get it the hell out of here. So now you bring it to your house. Why do you think I and, want the damn thing here? dump it to me. Right. <laughs> you know? And that's, uh, you know, perfect instance. I actually had a gentleman shoot one the other day uh, with his bow, didn't find it. Uh, he knew. He called. I said, there's no way, because it was actually found in the water. Oh, that's And it had been there for a couple of days. I'm like, you know, sorry, that cave's not going to be any good. Uh, he brought just the head over. I took the skull plate. He took Everything the remains else. and threw it in his trash. Um, because I just can't have something that stinks here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for many multiple reasons yeah well that's a good segue into at least you know how how somebody should choose a taxidermist and then they've chosen you they're going to bring it to pure luck stacy smith what are some things they should expect you know when they show up with their deer for the first time or or even when they want to use you um some things to kind of think about when you're going to use a taxidermist there's plenty of people that have now done it multiple times but there's still always that, that person that's done it the first time. Right. Or they used a, somebody else last year and they didn't like them, so now they're choosing someone else. You know, what are some things they should expect to do with you up front? Uh, one of the main things, which is easy now because of the uh, Telecheck app on your phone, is I need your confirmation number and license number. Um, that's number, you know, first and foremost, when the uh, game warden comes through to do my checks or to swing by and say, hey, I have to have all my I's dotted and T's crossed, so I need your information so that I'm legal. Right. Um, Otherwise, you're not doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you know, worst-case scenario, someone says, you know, I can text it to you later today. If I don't have it in 24 hours, come get your stuff, or I'll leave it at the curb, because I just I can't have that. Right. Uh, I have to verify everything to the, you know, I'm not investigating, but I have to do what I have to do, you know, to keep myself out of trouble and make sure I'm running the business above board. Right. Um. The other thing is have an idea of possibly of where you're going to put it. Um, you know, deer, even right turns, left turns, they're subtle enough. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter. You can put a right turn anywhere in a room, and it's going to look good. Uh, but if you have, you know, I want it on this wall, and here's where my TV is, and I want that thing looking right at me, kind of have that thought in the back of your head so you know which turn you want. Um you know, poses, I have, uh, typically I have plenty of examples in here and posters showing the different forms I use. Uh, if I'm lucky by deer season, all these deer will be out of here <laughs> because they're done and they need to go home. Um, but you know, ears forward, ears back, one of each, uh, semi sneak, semi upright, right turn, left turn straight. Um, they're all fairly subtle. Like I said, the turns are subtle, but just have an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have another mount, you know, some people want them looking at each other. Uh, and then I probably drive some customers crazy because they'll say, I want a right turn. And it's not because I don't think they know the difference. It's because I don't want to screw up their mount. What I'm right? Like, exactly. <laughs> now, you want a right turn, yes. So... I was overemphasized. So the deer will be turning to the deer's right. So when you're looking head on, its nose is going to be going to your left. And once we get through that, we're good. Okay. Because yeah. I don't want to be the one you know shows up and like, wait a minute, I want the other turn. That's the yeah. wrong way. So to clarify for people, <laughs> this is a perfect point. When they're talking about right turn, left turn, 
That is the deer's right or left. That is the deer's turn. That's not, when you're looking at it, it's not, a right turn isn't turning to your right, it's the deer. How is that deer turning? If it's a right turn, the deer is turning to the deer's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, not everybody knows that. It's, you know? It sounds stupid, uh, but, you know. Something to think about. It's something, I mean, it's yeah. something, you know, 20 years ago. What do you mean right turn? Well, yeah, you know, I didn't know which, you know, my right or his right. But it's the deers, which way yeah. the deers turning is the turn that it is called. Right. That's cool. So some other things to think about. I mean, you require – well, I know one thing that you do that is is probably more for you than anything. Uh, you go through the um, the conservation number or the confirmation number and all that, and your, the tag and everything when they bring it in. But I know when I've brought my deer into you, you've got a sheet of paper mm-hmm. that we write down all the tag information – and you write down all the information about me, how much I've given you, put, you know, deposit, all that stuff, and also the mount, because when you get however many deer you get in here a year, it's probably important that I get what I told you I wanted. <laughs> and, you know, you're just not going to remember those things. Right. Um, now, do you, when when I first brought, you know, when I first bring a deer into you, if the person doesn't know exactly what they want, do, do you give them a little time sometimes? Is that yes. something you do? Because, you know, it's you're not going to have that form on that deer tomorrow. No. Uh, and that brings up a good point. When someone comes in, I do have a contract. You're going to fill out your name, address, phone number, contact information. Uh, in the top corner, I'm going to have your item number. Uh, I have safety bands, plastic bands they seal semis with. Uh Every number, I have two of each. Mm-hmm. So, like, right now, I'm on, like, number 620. So, I have two numbers that say 620 on them. One goes around the antlers. One goes through the hide. Uh, they're safety tags. That way, they can never be separated. Uh, you know, 620 goes with 620. So, my hide that gets sent to the tannery is my hide that's going to come back. your hide that's going to come yeah. back. Uh, there's no way, because I've tested them, and I've accidentally broke them and had to zip tie one back on is my own, luckily. Uh, but you know, it's, you know, you just can't unplug it. You just can't unplug the tag and put a different tag. You're going to get your antlers with your hide. Um, and yeah, if you don't know exactly what you want and you're like, you know what? I do like a semi sneak. I think I want the ears back, but I don't know right or left. You can text me, call me later down the road. Uh, because tannery turnaround time is probably going to be a minimum of four months and uh, you know, another thing a customer has to realize is we get in 90% of our work in about 90 days. So nice. it goes from a six-month turnaround to a 12-month turnaround in 90 days. So if you don't know what you want, that's fine. Uh, but I'm still going to, that contract I have you is a carbon carbonless copy, two sheets. Mm-hmm. So I take down all the information you do know as far as what you want along with, you know, your personal information, your signature saying it was, you know, illegal harvest, following all the rules, all that good stuff. I'm going to give you a copy, and then I keep a copy for my records. Uh, and it also have the deposit. Typically, my deposits are around 50%. Um, on whitetails, I just make it an even 300, which is less than 50%. But it's just simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash check charge. It's just you don't have to mess with odd numbers just you know here's what we are here's where we go right so yeah and, then, and then i would assume that probably all taxidermists they expect some sort of deposit 
I mean, because what's the point of because people forget about their stuff or they right. they get to thinking, oh, you know, I, I don't got the money now. So why would a taxidermist go out of their way of doing all this work and then come find out we can't get a hold of you anymore? So right. or something along those lines. So expect some sort of deposit and, no matter where you go. And definitely, yeah, like personally, like I said, mine's 300 to cover my expenses because mm-hmm. uh, this deer sitting on this wall over here, obviously people out there can't see it. But that has been, I called the customer in June of 2019 to tell him it was done. And it's still sitting there. Yeah. Uh, the deposit covers my tanning, my shipping to the tannery, my shipping back, the form, the eyes, the paste, everything goes into it. So, I mean. You're out of time. I'm out of time. Well, I'm actually out a little bit out of right, pocket. Sure. I'm out all my time. But without that deposit, I'm just, I know, I'm, I've lost a lot more You've money. lost more. Yeah. Right. I, you have a – I don't know about the state of Missouri. This I was listening to another podcast, like I said one time before, Don't and I he was in a state out west. And there he actually has legal grounds to sell a, uh, sell a mount after a certain number of days. I don't remember what it is. But, I mean, at what point do you go, all right, I've had this thing sitting on my wall for four, four years or five years or whatever. I mean, do you ever – have you ever been like, screw it, I'm selling it? <laughs> I've been really lucky. Um, you know, that one's been here for over a year, year and a half, maybe. Uh, I had one in here that had been done for over two years out of the blue customer calls me, say, Hey, I fell on some hard times. I'm like, no problem. Uh, but, and he said, I still don't have the money, but I'm trying to. And he put forth the effort that day. He brought me over 50 bucks. And then two weeks later, he brought me 50 bucks and he kept bringing me money until it was paid in full and it took him a few months and you know that's the big deal uh you know if you fall on heart you know things happen sure life changes yeah just be in contact with them right right? just be honest with me shoot me straight you know hey i lost my job uh you know i'll give you a little bit at a time you know that's fine i'm going to keep them out until it's paid in full but as long as you're making the effort you know i get it you know life's tough yeah um and the same with deposits you know i require a 300 dollars deposit before I will start putting them out together. Uh, if you show up at my shop, oh, I don't have any credit cards on me. My wife's got the checkbook. I have 50 bucks. Then give me the 50 bucks. But no, and I, you know, I tell them and just, you know, I'm not going to actually start putting that mount together. And I'm probably not even going to send the hide off to the tannery until I get the deposit. Cause you know, the tanning alone and shipping is over a hundred dollars. So well, I'm not going to go upside down. on. You've it. got other customers that did, pay their deposit that you know are going to take precedent probably too right and you can do the the thing that we talked about earlier right let's say i show up and i want you to do a mount but i'm i'm broke as hell right now and so how about i have can can i pay you to cape it off for me you know take the skull out and everything and get it clean and then and then i'll come and get it and go put it in my freezer definitely uh yeah say you know you don't have the money to do it right now you have your deer caped off we have a head head in a cape i will cape it off bag it tag it for you give it back to you you take it to your freezer i'd probably charge around 50 bucks and then when you bring it to me to mount obviously that 50 dollars will come off of the price because that that's part of my job is doing that right but i'm not going to just do it and hand it to you because when people are bringing in deer to me taking the time to skin one and bag it is always during the rush because if you're bringing me a deer there's other people bringing me deer 
So yeah. I can't do yours for free when I have paying customers with their stuff behind you. So, you know, basically it's goodwill money. And when you bring it to me for a mount and you're ready to proceed with it, then that comes right off your bill. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you decide and they decide they're never going to be able to get it done, then you got, you know, your time's covered as right. far as the 50 bucks. And, and, and they've got their, and, and yeah. they got their stuff. So then it's, you know, right. They washed, have, everything's yeah. done. So. They have their stuff. I got paid for my time. Uh, right. And then, you know, if they decide not to, then fine. Or they go somewhere else, you know, you know, every person that got their own prerogatives. Right. So, yeah, that those are all good points. So, I mean, especially, you know, they – if they don't have the money, they don't have the money, but at least they've got their, their cape and, you know, you got paid for, for doing it. So, right. you know, deposit's been made. They've got their, their deer picked out or their their mount, their mount form picked out, I guess I'd call it, and you're done. They come pick it up, and, you know, that's that's a probably a fun time for you. I mean, I know you've done hundreds of them in your life now, but when someone comes and picks their deer up, you know, for that first time after – last year whenever they 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 killed it uh, that's still got to still be a little fun for you is the first time they get to see it again yeah definitely uh it's always good to see a happy hunter and you know you you do the work you put it up on the wall you take a picture of it you think you know that looks pretty good but then when the customer comes and they acknowledge that they're happy with it, it just makes it okay all the time i spent out here and all the hours and everything it, it's <clears throat> worth it right yeah. So, uh, post mount pickup, I've always, ever since, you know, I've had deer now, I want to take care of them and they'll get dusty or whatever. Right. Do you have any tips and tricks for anybody on how to take care of a mount so that it'll last them forever? Uh, I mean, honestly, keep it simple. Uh, if you have a wood burning fireplace, mm-hmm. I would recommend if that is your primary source of heat, your wood stove, wood burning fireplace, keep it in another room. Uh, the dry heat will absolutely devastate a mount over years. The extreme heat, you know, you have it up on the wall. Typically, it's going to be up toward the ceiling. Heat rises. Yeah, you get the heat rising. You get that intense dry heat up there. I mean, it's a piece of leather. Uh, you got clay. You got epoxies, and the extreme heat, you know heat and then cool off and heat and cool off yeah. uh, is it dries them out it's really tough on them um, keep them out of sunlight you know if you have a big picture window or you know have an open ceiling with large windows up in the upper part of that uh, mm-hmm. open the sun will come in and fade them and it's amazing uh, people don't think about that but the sun will fade that hide and you know one side's gonna be real light colored and the other's gonna be dark colored or you know Something like that. And people don't think about that, but the sun will definitely fade them out. I have mounts in here, my personal ones that have been in here for years and years, and I can tell sun fade just from having the windows open over the last 15 years. Yep, right. Um, but extreme heat, uh, direct sunlight, and then... Uh, <laughs> brain fart. <laughs> brain fart. Uh, and then, you know, they get dusty. They collect dust. Uh, I advise, you know... Once a month or a week or depending on how you like to clean, just take a damp cloth or damp paper towel and just wipe wipe it down. Uh, if it gets, you know, you miss it a couple months. And you're talking about the antlers and the hide? Antlers, hide, everything. Everything's with just, the hair, correct? With the hair. Just go, go, go with the hair, uh, just a damp cloth, not soaking wet because you're not, you don't want, 
it to be so wet that it gets the leather rehydrated underneath. You just want to, something that'll, it's damp enough, it'll pick up that dust. Um, go with the hair. You know, if it gets away from you, you know, I forgot to dust it for six months, take it out to your shop, take a blowgun, stand back six feet or so and dust it off. Um, and then, you know, if you're putting your mount up and down or you move it around, and I have friends who are customers and they had my mounts and I talk, had to have a conversation with them. They use their fingers and they get their mm-hmm. fingers in the hair and then they <laughs> move it around and then they leave. Literally, you can see the finger marks where the hair's, a, you know, get it. Like I use old, like I use dog brushes, okay. just yeah. a grooming brush for a dog and just start brushing it. I mean, something's been mounted a long time. The hair will have a little bit of memory, which way it was. Uh, start brushing it. If it doesn't go right back down immediately, you know, take a damp cloth and wipe over it and then brush it. Uh, because nothing looks worse than you're looking at this beautiful mount and you have finger marks on both sides of the neck Yep. and it's standing straight up and you're like, what is going on with that thing? That, that brings up, what's a good, is it okay to pick them up by their antlers and stuff like that? Or is it, that's probably frowned upon? I mean, how good is the antlers actually attached to that form or whatnot? I mean. I carry them by the antlers. Okay. Uh, the so. antlers, I use deck screws. I use three three-inch deck screws, and they go down into a piece of half-inch plywood that is on the in the mannequin in the form. Uh, and, you, and you get to thinking about it, the antlers are the heaviest part of the mount. Yeah. So if you're grabbing by the antlers, you just have the styrofoam hanging. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you, you know. I move them around. Usually I have one hand on the base of an antler and the other one I have on the brisket of the deer or the bottom of the shoulder point right. and move them around like that. Okay. I remember I called you last after we finished our basement and now my deer are all downstairs because my wife made me move them. But, uh, and my biggest deer that I've killed so far, I was putting him up and I, mi- I missed the screw or something and it started falling. So I just grabbed him <laughs> and I had all those finger marks like you're talking about and i i call stacy and i'm like dude uh oh it's all right dogs bark <laughs> i called you and i'm like hey what do i do <laughs> I, i've got all these marks on, on my deer looks uglier than hell now and you that's what you told me to do is i gotta i, I put a little dampness on it and then i got one of my dog's brushes out and they're gone uh but yeah you're right because I, I i just totally foobarred it because <laughs> just to keep it from to falling, it. it was just boom. <laughs> it probably would have been better for it to fall and just picked it up. But. And speaking of that, that also leads me to the one thing that another thing my customers probably think I'm crazy. When they come to pick up their mount, it's all done, paperwork's filled, payment's been made, they're ready to leave. I always tell them the last thing before they leave, I tell them this is going to sound stupid, but be sure you hit the hanger. You've got a hanger screwed on the back of that form. Make sure that's what you're hanging on because that hide is also wrapped around the back of that plywood mm-hmm. and stapled on. And when that hide dries in between the staples there, you slide down, a screw will catch on that hide and it'll hold it for a little bit. But then you're going to walk away, you're going to hear a thud, and you're going to want to cry. Yeah. Because it's going to hit the floor. So always, as stupid as it sounds, make sure you hit the hanger. Yeah. And they're, and I've got several deer from you now and they're, they're heavy duty hangers. Yes. And uh, my last mount was. I don't even know what it's called, but he, he comes out of the wall a little bit sideways. Also, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> and so the, the, the hanger is not right in the middle of the mount. It's mm-hmm. offset to probably offset for that weight. And so when I was putting holes in the wall to figure out where I put them, I put them in the middle. 
And then I, I'm like, shit. <laughs> and I had to move everything, but it worked out. But yeah, um, they're they're substantial hangers, and you got plenty of room. I mean, there's, you yeah. know, two inches or whatever an inch worth of room to be able to get that. But right, that's a good. You probably want to probably want to make sure you mount it on a stud too on the wall. <laughs> yep, make sure you hit a stud. Uh, definitely, it doesn't take much to hold them. Right, but yeah, definitely. Sheet, sheet rock's not going to do it. No, no, it's not. <laughs> so here into my next thing, and and you know I thought that was a good you know basic. All right, from field to finished, how are we gonna? How does a hunter you know need to act or do? How do they need to do things and act when they're choosing their taxidermists after they've they've gotten their harvest? So kind of a nice overview from you know field to finished on what people can do. But I always like to ask a fun question because I've heard you before. What what are some of the craziest things you've seen before? Uh, I know you were telling us about the water thing before. Oh yes, but like, what are some crazy things you've seen as a taxidermist now for the last two decades? Uh, the one thing, yeah, the water thing. People would not notice this. I never knew it until I got into this. Uh, if a person hangs their deer by the back legs and they're going to hang it, and you know maybe Grandpa told them to hose it out to clean it out or put bags of ice inside the chest cavity to cool it down, when that water migrates it's going to go down or when that ice melts, it's going to run out. It's going to migrate down and I'll get in a deer and its head will be twice the size of a deer. It looks like it looks cartoonish. It is so swollen and that head is full of water. So as you're skinning it, literally every cut you make red water is just running out. Um, that is not needed. Uh, (laughs) that doesn't, I mean, you know, water, and that's another thing as far as water goes, you want anything dry, whether you kill a bobcat or a coyote or a deer, you know, it's got blood on or something, don't hose it down because the water promotes bacteria. Bacteria makes your hide slip. You know, if it's bloody and muddy, just dry it off. If it's raining, take some old towels or paper towels, dry it off. Um, but, yeah, that's something I want to mention also. Um <laughs> But that's, no. So, and that's with people hanging their deer by the legs, right? The back legs, right? I just thought of this. How do y'all do you? If you hang a deer to gut it or work it out, do you hang it by the legs or the the the, the head side or the the rear side? I've done it both ways, but usually I do it by the legs. Do you? Yeah. How about you, Stacy? Yeah. When I'm caping one or I'm hanging one to cut it up for meat or whatever, I hang it by the back legs. Back legs. Um, because I've also had deer brought in. You know, in. you do have this spiffy hoist right here, too. It is handy. Yeah. But, yeah, you def- I've had deer come in where they put the rope, a rope around the deer's neck and hung it up mm-hmm. that way, and mm-hmm. it runs cape. I mean, it gets rope burned, peels the hair. Um, but, yeah, just – but you don't – if, you, if you're going to hose out a deer, hose it out while it's laying on the ground, then roll it so that all the water goes out, and then hang it up. Make sure your cape's dry. Nice. Uh, yeah, ice is not needed unless it's 100 degrees. And if, if, if it's warm enough you need ice, then you should already have it somewhere at a locker being processed or caped off because you're Because now that meat's... The, yeah, I yeah. mean, if it's hot enough you have to put ice in it, then it's hot enough you need to do something with that meat. Yeah, makes sense. So what's some other crazy stuff? Um, I, my favorite story is one you told me last year, and you've probably told it to me multiple times, where you got one given to you that they wanted a shoulder mount uh, that was my favorite story you've told yeah, me well no i've had several of those um <laughs> have and this has happened multiple times uh that people someone calls me up how much for a shoulder mount all right i give them the price you know turn around deposit we go through all that and then they show up 
and I'm like, you know, I don't realize who this is. You know, I have multiple people call me. I don't know if you're the one that called me or not. Sure. So you show up, and here's my deer. I want a mount. Oh, you want a European mount? Well, no, I want a shoulder mount. And literally, they have the head in like six inches of the upper neck. I mean, they're missing <laughs> they're missing over two feet of what I need. Yeah. And they're shocked that I can't make that into a shoulder mount. And then I point, you know, look, this is what it looks like on the wall. And see, here's what we have. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that's happened multiple times. Uh, then I've had the other extreme. Uh, this has happened three times. And it's an absolute bear. People say, yep, got it all caped out, ready for you. And they will show up and literally have half a deer. I mean, they have taken a sawzall or a chainsaw, and they've – if you look at the diagrams, you know, if you Google and find a diagram of a caped-out deer or the lines of where yeah. you need to cape a deer, they followed those lines, but they left all the meat inside. They just cut the deer in half. <laughs> no, I mean, literally, I've had deer with the front legs from the uh, – I call it the elbow up – from the elbow up, and then the whole front shoulder and the neck, all the meat's still in there. I mean, I literally have – a hundred pound, hundred pound half animal, <laughs> and then you know there's no way for me to hang that really, in order to skin it off. So then I have to put plastic on the ground and waller it around on the ground, and try to skin this thing. And then you know, department, you know, the rules, the laws are that I have to dispose of all my waste, my animal waste, in a licensed landfill. So that has to go out the trash man. So, that's a whole nother subject. I don't think my trash man likes me. <laughs> um, but well, and that's just, unfortunately, that's wa- that's wasteful. I mean, they're wasting. Yeah, they're wasting. The resource that I mean, they they're took. wasting a lot. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's irresponsible on several levels. And then I have to dispose of it because I'm not going to eat their deer because I have no idea how it's been cared for. Right. And, and I'm not going to give it to days. someone. Yeah. So, I literally have half a deer and then I have a hundred pound chunk of meat. And I have to put this out for the trash man. Not to mention all the one, the normal stuff I have mm-hmm. from the shop and from other people's deer. Uh, and then, yeah, and small mammals, it never fails. Every other person I got that gets a bobcat, a fox, or a coyote, do I need to field dress it? No, do not field dress it. Double, you know, bring it to me or double bag it, freeze it. Uh, obviously, if it's a bobcat, it has to be tagged mm-hmm. or checked in with the your local game warden um but yeah don't field dress don't number one don't field dress your small mammals and if you bring your white tail in for me to cape it for you it has to be field dressed sure because if not once i peel it down i go to remove the head all the blood in that body is going to come right out on me in the floor right yeah. so it has to be field dressed that you said this earlier, and I I was gonna say something about it and kind of forgot uh, about predators having a harder time with slippage and stuff like that. Is that because? And I've always read like predators, especially like around their mouths and 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 stuff, um, have a harder time with slippage. I'm guessing it's because they're always eating raw meat. There's bacteria, bacteria. all over already because. They might be in a gut pile eating somebody. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I that's mean, what that, I figured. Yeah, the, the predators uh, predators have a really bad time because, yeah, they have a lot more bacteria on them because they are a meat eater. Mm-hmm. Um, foxes are about the most delicate Missouri animal there is. Really? 
Uh, I mean, it's amazing. I can get a fox that has been cared for absolutely pristinely. I mean, it was dry outside. They harvested it. They froze immediately. They brought it to me. I thought out of skin, I tan it. And the hair wants to slip on the back of the ears. The hair wants to slip on the legs. Um, when you when I skin a fox, I have to do it in a hurry because just the heat from your hands will promote bacteria. I'll be darned. Really? Because they have it and just, the you know, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. Um, yesterday, I skinned three bobcats that were from last season that had been frozen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it gets a little, they, they're not as bad coyotes as far as the bacteria. Foxes slip the most, no matter how well they're taken care of. But coyotes are probably the worst as far as uh, you don't want to walk in the door when I'm doing one. Because <laughs> you'll start skinning it off, and anyone that's coyote hunted or trapped and skinned a coyote knows they stink, they stink to high oh. heaven. And it does not, again, you can t- just like fox, you can take care of them perfect, freeze them, bring it to me, and I'm peeling them off and skinning them, and their belly area and the hide mm-hmm. on the inside of that belly turns green because of the bacteria. And that's because the bacteria inside of them from right. eating all this. Who knows what, you know, the deer that's been laying in the ditch for six weeks and they just got their tummy full of it. And, you know, so you really have to be predators. Bacteria will absolutely kill you. And you have a lot more problems with slippage. So predator, kill it, get it frozen. Yeah. And then, you know, if it's one of those days, kind of like we talked about the elk hide earlier about how you need it to get cold all the way through and cool down, you know, if you kill a fox or a bobcat or whatever you kill and your spouse won't kill you, put it in an open bag or lay it on top of a piece of plastic in your freezer to get it cooled down real quick. Um, and then bag it and get the air out and freeze it because it is absolutely amazing. Like even in here yesterday, I was, or I've got the bobcats out, we're thawing them out. If you open that plastic bag, they're sitting next to each other in a tub on the floor. Mm-hmm. You have one bagged up. The other one is in a bag, but the bag is open. The one that's open will thaw out exponentially faster. Really? I mean, it's really amazing. Just that little letting the outside air circulate through, it'll thaw out faster. Crazy. And which and so the same thing, it'll take it longer to freeze if you bag it. You know, if it's 75 degrees and you shot a bobcat, the end of rifle season you toss it in a bag and freeze it till the game warden can check it and i mean you're trapping the heat inside that bag and then that heat inside the bag and you have it in your freezer well that makes condensation on the inside of the bag so then you have moisture and heat it takes longer to freeze it's, right you're just negative negative that makes sense i mean any animals their fur is designed to keep them warm in the winter right mm-hmm. and if you trap that warmth in it's going to keep it warm right that's kind of what it's made to do and then your yeah, then your possibility of slippage issues. Yeah, I was looking forward to that to most is the some of the the horror stories or the the craziest things you've seen. Uh, you kind of have told me a little bit about everything, but that's always the funniest to me is people. And I guess it's a it's a a good thing to think this, but people think that a taxidermist is also a magician, and I, I can't just magically add. I, I'm guessing if you really had to, you could sew a hide back on. But you're talking about hours upon hours, is it? I mean, yeah, you have to know I how mean, to sew as a taxidermist. Well, at that point, you'd probably want to just use like a donated because you can use a donated cape sometimes, sure. can't you? Yeah, I do a lot. Uh, 
Because I mean, yes. sometimes it just happens. You know, whatever. <clears throat> right. you, maybe they got shot in the neck and it's just tore up. Right. And, you know. And that's I actually uh, like right now. Earlier this morning, I was going through and I have like I was inventorying my spare capes. I have like seven right now. Tan spare capes ready to roll. Uh, one of them I am going to have to use on the bow kill that was brought in a few weeks ago because, you know, Hunter couldn't find it for a couple days. It was found in water. Capes trash, but they still want the shoulder mount. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of horror stories. <laughs> and, yes, we can use spare capes, but, you know, then I have to – I someone brings me a cape, I give them a credit mm-hmm. or give them a discount on a European or whatever, well, then I have to pass that price on to you. Uh, everybody wants to use their own cape unless it is trashed or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it was just rubbed up or had an infection or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just good field care thinking about it. Yeah. Do you have an idea like the capes that you have right now? Do you have an idea of how large that they're all going to be different sizes? Mm-hmm. And so if you have somebody like that guy, you're talking about or that person a couple of weeks ago that found their deer in the water. So the, the capes ruined. Did you kind of have an idea how large that deer was and then try to match up the cape that they're going to use to at least be close to what the deer was? Or is it just, hey, you got to take what you can get at that point? No, no, no. Because, uh, yeah, you basically you can tell. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, if I have a 140-inch deer, it's not going to have a small 18-inch neck unless it's from Texas or way south, you know, Mexico, New Mexico. Um, and also – um, he is lucky in the fact that I did have a couple early season capes tanned and ready to roll. And one is the size that we're going to use for his. Nice. You know, because he shot his deer, that would have been third, end of September. I think around third week of September. He doesn't, you know, he didn't shoot a deer with long, bushy winter hair. Uh-huh. He shot one with a shorter you summer know, coat, summer yep. coat, you know, yep. which is they're absolutely beautiful uh, yep. early season coats. So I actually until have they some. get into that really weird ass where it's half like they look like a mangy dog. <laughs> <The> early, early, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's uh, I get some out of Kansas youth season out of Kansas, and uh, they are where they go from that long summer guard hair is falling out, and they're getting down to where they just have that thin coat, that thin slick coat left, mm-hmm. which is what they typically have the beginning of season before the winter coat starts growing in with it. But yeah, you get those where they kind of look almost mangy, but they're really cool. Yeah, I bet. Awesome. Well, I that, I think that was a good episode for people, especially this time of year. A lot of, hopefully a lot of deer are going to be hitting the ground and people are going to be using a taxidermist. And this is kind of a, at least a little bit of a view of what can you expect from the beginning to the end. I would really, you know, from listening to Stacy just now would, you know, encourage people to do some homework up front on how what are you going to want if you were to get a deer how am i going to handle it out in the field how am i going to cape something how am i will i be able to get it to them think of all those questions before uh beforehand so that stacy or whoever else is working on your your animal isn't going to uh uh, wish they never met you (laughs) so yes uh got anything else micah before we hop off no i think we covered most of the bases hopefully anyways yeah people stacy you no, just, uh, you know, have an idea of what you want to do. But, I mean, the main thing is field care. Yeah, because right. if you take care of it right in the field, you throw it in the freezer, you can always do your homework later, but it's a lot easier to do the homework up front, which also leads to turnaround time. Because, like I said earlier, a deer that comes in to me today will be done six months. Right. A deer that comes to me in Thanksgiving is going to be done in a year. 
because it all comes at once and the turnaround mm-hmm. time changes weekly or actually daily for me. Right. So, so I know you don't need this because you're always busy every year, but why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you? Uh, you find us on Facebook, uh, Pure Luck Taxidermy. Uh, also, my phone number is 816-590-1822. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, if anyone has a question about caping a deer, anything, you know, what's the turnaround time today, you know, give me a call, send me a Facebook message, text me. Uh, I get numerous text and phone calls all hours of day and night. Just don't expect me to answer them at that time of day. I'll get back to you the next day. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to uh, reach out if you have any questions. Nice. All right, thanks for coming on, man. All right, that's the show today. Hopefully everybody's got an idea in the back of their head that they're going to – oh, I need to call this guy real quick. Just a bunch of light bulbs. <laughs> don't chop your freaking deer's head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't act like an idiot. Don't drag him in the back of the four-wheeler three, three miles yards across and the cornfield. You know. I think what we figured out today is Stacy's really good at taxidermy, but he's not a, a magic man. And – I'm pretty sure none of them are. He's not going to put so. hair back when it's gone. He's not going to be able to – well, he probably could sew a uh, cape back together, but you're going to be paying out the ass to, to have it done. Right. Um, so have your have your ducks in a row before. The better the better job you do out in the field is going to be – it's going to come out to a better mount in the end. Exactly. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Get on YouTube, watch videos how to, you know, cape them and do all that stuff if you don't want your – taxidermy to do it or whatever but just think about that stuff another thing i was thinking of if you're going to get your um deer processed a lot of those processors will cape it out for you yeah. now it's going to cost you it, i mean i think it's like 50 bucks sometimes i don't I have right. no idea but i'm just saying if you kill one you know you're going to get the meat processed and you have no freaking clue what you're doing might be best to spend the 50 bucks and have them cape it for you yeah but also i mean this year is a little different and i know we're going to be talking about this on an upcoming podcast but uh, a lot of butchers this year, you need to think, too, are they going to be accepting deer this year? Pretty busy. Because with beef and everything, the way things have been going, I know that a lot of them have decided not to do any deer. So, And like I said, we'll be talking about that in an upcoming episode. But just be thinking about all these things. Yeah. So, so anyway, hope everybody enjoyed the show. Pick something up. Uh, feel free to reach out to Stacy if uh, if you get something. And, and he's, like I said, we're in the uh, – odessa missouri area um so lafayette county yeah lafayette county so feel free to reach out to him uh or if you even have questions and you're not going to be able to use them but i'm sure he'll he'll at least answer a question for you if if you have one so yeah he might know a few guys around your area that do good work do your homework before you pick your your taxidermist right don't just pick a number out of a book and or out of the phone book or whatever the hell we use now and uh and just go with it you know do do your homework and you know develop that relationship with him because you might be using that person for the rest of your life absolutely so anyway hope you all enjoyed the show and we'll talk to y'all later see you